How do I help my teen when he does not want my help? Boom. There you have it. One of the more common questions that people ask when they write in, every parent intuitively understands this question and they feel the tension already. Maybe your kids are young and they're just behaving beautifully and they will never sin as long as they live. I think somewhere down in your heart, you know that that's not going to be the case and that day is coming when those beautiful little children will become independent thinkers and they may or may not follow your wishes. For those of you who have those teenage kids, well, you know you can't control them and manage them like when they were two. And then many of you reflect on those days when your children were teenagers and they're not, they are not any longer, and this is a common question. How do I help my teen when he does not want my help? A supporting member wrote in, and, and she asked this question, and so let me read it to you, and then I'll jump right in to this podcast. The supporting member said, my teenage son, the son is 17, is upset with me because I want to put accountability software on his computer. He says I'm too intrusive and it's weird for a mom to be checking on him. My impulse is to do it anyway, regardless of what he says. I would like to make a case to him about why I want to do this. We are a Christian family, and I'm sure there are clear biblical examples of accountability. How would you advise me Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas. You're listening to Your Daily Drive. The title of this podcast, again, How Do I Help My Teen When He Does Not Want My Help? You have heard the question, and so let me jump into this. How would you advise this person? If you want to read this podcast, I would love for you to read it and share it with 10,000 of your wonderful friends. Would you do that, please? You can also print it off in the print features at the bottom of all of our articles. And so you can read, you can listen to this podcast, you can share as well. All right, I have a sequence of things that I want to communicate to this lady, and here they are. Here's the first one. This is my first question. The first thing that I'm curious about When a wife and mother ask a question about their son, one of the first things you want to know is about her husband. For example, what does the husband say about this parenting problem? What advice or direction is he providing? I realize we're postmodern and we're no longer a, a Christian country here in America and hardly anywhere else in the world. And so I know that men hardly matter. But the Bible has not changed when it comes to leadership in the home, and a husband is the wife's protector as well as her lover. He should be providing directive care while showing supportive unity in the marriage. And I realize it's not unusual for a teen's disrespect to mirror how the husband responds to his wife and vice versa. It's important that 
we all understand this if you don't. Disrespecting spouses will breed disrespecting children. I have an article on our website titled something like that. It says, fussy parents create insecure children, and we do we do how we are and how we interact within our marriage does have an impact on the children, the little people in our homes. And when they come into the teenage years, they've had, you know, 15, 18 years of observing and experiencing your life within close proximity. Well, that's going to have an effect either positively or adversely. Typically, it's a little bit of both, both, but you want the balance to be on the positive side, not on the adverse side. And so when a mother is asking this question, I mean, you have to ask, well, talk, talk to me about your marriage. In this case, she is married, but if they're divorced, you still have to ask the question because there has been an impact on the relationship. And so it does matter. Perhaps the couple has a history of nourishing and cherishing each other, and they have mutual respect for each other within the marriage. Now, if this is the case, that is great. But if it's not, you do you want to explore the state of the marriage from a historical perspective. Asking your child to be and to do what you have not modeled in your marriage is hypocritical, and he could perceive your request to respect you and your request about this accountability software as as unreasonable. And so when someone comes, now it could be that the husband is working and and the wife is at home, maybe she's a stay-at-home mom, she has greater accessibility uh, to the computer or to our free public forums here. I understand that could be a possibility, but nevertheless, you do want to explore the condition of the marriage. And so it's one of the first questions that you want to address Secondly, an angry teenager is a behavioral manifestation of an angry heart. He is drawing out of his heart what is proceeding from his mouth. His words are telling you how he thinks about you, how he thinks about God, how he thinks about life, and as hard as that is to hear, it's vital to know this information, that there is a direct connection between what's coming out of his mouth and what is happening in his heart, because you can't help him if you do not have a biblical understanding of his ruling motives. I'm talking about the ruling motives of his heart. Your goal is to help your child walk in holiness. Though placing a piece of software on his computer could have a positive effect, it will not bring the needed transformation to the heart. And while it would be good to stop future sin, to stop embarrassment that you may have because of his sin, to stop temptations from sin, the traps of sin, the most useful thing you can do is address the heart issues that feed this desire not to be held accountable. If there are underlying and unresolved issues of the heart, There needs to be a discussion about the real things going on in his life 
rather than just technological deterrence to keep something from happening. Now, as a disciple maker or as a counselor, you you have to think outside of the box. You have to be able to color outside of the lines. And so when a person is coming, as in this case, they're asking a direct question, should I put accountability software on my son's computer? I haven't even answered that question yet. The first thing that I'm thinking outside of the box is, well, let's talk to me about your marriage because there's an impact, good or bad, probably both, of your marriage on your child, and we need to address that. You don't want to, you don't want to paint over a stain because, well, white paint over a stain, that stain is going to bleed back out. You're not going to cover it up. The second thing is you have to have deeper insight. What is coming out of his mouth tells you that there's something going on in his heart, and it's not good. And then the third thing, I would appeal to you to to use a different word than accountability. The word choice that you're making here, it's not a bad word, but perhaps in this case, it's not the best way to communicate what you want to happen Maybe you can do this test. Maybe you would learn this. If you just talk to people, when you hear the word accountability, what comes to mind? What are some synonyms that you think about when you hear the word accountability? I know for some people, the word accountability has the feel of of watching over someone to keep them from making mistakes. Your son does feel surveilled. He does feel untrusted, and though I know you have reasons for not trusting him, it's it's evident to you, but as he said, this feels a little weird, Mom, and that's why I'm making this appeal. Maybe you can change your language a little bit, use a different word, and communicate in a more effective way, and your son needs more than just someone looking over his shoulder even if it's computer software doing the looking. Your goals for your son are more in-depth. Your aim for him, well, it's the same that you have for everyone else, which is to love God and, and others most of all. This is the highest and most desired goal for any of us, to be lovers of God, lovers of others. And so consider changing your wording to give your conversation a more biblical direction. God is not about watching us, not in a negative sense, but about transforming us. And so one of the things I deal with in counseling is how people have a wrong view of God. It can sound like, God is watching me. If I make a mistake, he will let me know about it. I don't want God to get me. I I better do right. And I perceive that that some of that could be happening with your son. So talk with him to provide a more nuance as a nuanced way of discussing this to, to what you mean. Now, let me give you some useful ways that you can communicate what you want to do for your son. Now, as you hear these, I'm going to share biblical ideas with you, and as you hear these uh, Pretend that you're saying these things to your son, that you're saying these things out loud. I'm going to give you a list of of 
sentences, ways that you can communicate with them. And as you listen to them and and say them in, in your own mind, how do they sound? Are the things that I'm about to share with you, are they the typical ways that you communicate with your son? If you cannot speak to him according to these biblical ideas, I appeal to you to do what you can to replace your broken relationship with him. If you can't talk to your son in these ways, then there is something broken in your relationship and you have more on your plate than just whether or not you should put accountability software on the computer. All right, here's a list of of better ways, better than using the word accountability. You could say this, right out of Mark 10, 45, Jesus said, I came to serve, not to be served. I desire to serve you in your walk with God. That's one of the things you could say. Can you say that out loud to him? The goal for you is the same for me, a transformed life. That's Romans 12, 1 and 2. Here's a third one. If need be, I will admonish you for your good. That's Romans 15, 14, 4. I want to care for you because I love you. That's 1 Corinthians 12, 25, 5. I want to see you built up in Christ. That's Romans 14, 19, number six. I want to regard you more than I regard myself. That's Philippians 5, 21. Number seven, my goal is to bear with you all the days of your life. Colossians 3, 13. I want you to experience my increasing love for you, 1 Thessalonians 3.12. I want to encourage you in your walk with God, 1 Thessalonians 5.11.10. Part of parenting is to seek that which is right for you, 1 Thessalonians 5.15. And then finally, hopefully, I can stimulate you toward Good works, Hebrews 10, 24. As you hear these I, these concepts directly from Scripture, in fact, this list is here, so if you want to see what I just shared with you, you're welcome to do that. But do you, do you hear how these verses communicate something more comprehensive than the word accountability? There's a difference between watching someone or having someone watched and humbly serving them. I can hold you accountable to holiness, or I can come alongside you as your humble servant, helping you along in your sanctification journey. Accountability requires less work for sure. Discipleship is a fuller and more compelling experience. One of the things that you can do by way of homework is to work through the one another's in the New Testament. There's more than 30 one another expressions in the New Testament. And you can work. In fact, I have a link here that you can click on and you can download a sheet that will give you a list of those one another's. But you can work on these ideas and then begin implementing them into your relationship with your son. The most effective way that you can care for your son is by giving him a Christ-like example to observe. And so in addition to changing your wording and how you communicate him, communicate to him, give him also your life, your authentic Christian experience, what you have with Christ right now lived out in a Christian community within your family, your local church. 
It will have more impact on him than accountability software. Now, I'm not, I'm not minimizing the software. I'm not minimizing the question that you have asked me. But what I am doing, I am prioritizing something more vital for him. As he sees you doing the very things that you're asking him to do, which is be like Jesus, it will be more difficult for him to complain about your request for him to emulate Christ. He says that what you're asking is weird, but it's not if that is how you are currently living your life. I mean, if this has been the example that he has seen for 17 years, well, no, I I don't think it's weird. And so let me ask you a few questions. Has he seen others care for you? the way you want to care for him, how do you respond to their accountability? How do you respond to their corrections? Are you correctable when people correct you, when people hold you accountable? How about when he has tried to hold you accountable in in the past? How did you respond? Your marriage is a superb place for him to see what you are asking him to do. If he has not seen this, there is an opportunity before you, a conversation you must have with your son regarding something you want for him but have not lived out for yourself. Whatever ways you need to change, my appeal to you is to do it today. As you listen to this podcast and realize, you know what? Uh, not only I'm not using the best language to communicate to my son, but my marriage is not what it should be, and I haven't been living as I should have lived. Ministers of the gospel must remove all appearances of evil from their lives. If not, they will mute the practical message of Christ. Now, let's say that everything I've said thus far is moving in the right direction. Your husband is nourishing and cherishing you. He's protecting you, loving you well. He's leading the family. He's in this. And that you are doing well, modeling the life of Christ within your family before your son. Well, there should be no reason for your son to resist your request. If he does, then you do have more in-depth issues with him. Now, One of the ways that you can get at these deeper issues is by asking insightful questions of him as you're having this conversation with him. For example, let me give you three. You could say, weird is not a good answer. Why do you not want the software on your computer? That is an open-ended question that will help you to explore, and I'm sure you've already done this, but if you haven't, you want to you want to get more out of him than well that's weird mom now you want to understand the reasons why another question and i'll say this with a caveat and maybe you'll just say this in your head but are you a christian now again you might not say you might not ask this question out loud it, it depends on the relationship that you have with your child but you do have to explore the state of his soul his resistance to a really a request that should not be a big deal. His resistance speaks more about his relationship with God than with you. Now, if he's a believer, 
What's happening now is he's quenching the Spirit of God. He's grieving the Spirit of God. If he's not a believer, and I know that's a subjective assessment, and I do understand that, but the best that you can tell, if he's not a believer, then he doesn't have the Spirit of God. And that is problematic because you're asking him, you're asking a natural person to think spiritually, which he cannot do. And so you want to explore why he doesn't want the software on the computer. You want to explore this idea, is he a believer or not? The third question is, what do you have to hide? Locks on your door, on your home, locks are for honest people, not crooks. If, if you're honest, there's nothing that should cause concern. If you're looking into things you shouldn't, or if you're trying to keep information from me, then we have a more significant problem. And so you want to delve into this idea, this question that I ask, what do you have to hide? These types of questions are better ways of communicating your love, affection, your discipleship, care for your son, rather than just holding him accountable. By showing your deeper and broader concern, you're communicating how this is a bigger problem than than your desire to to just watch him or your desire to get him caught, which is could be how he's interpreting what you are are saying. And then you want to let him know that there are real temptations in this world. And you do want to care for his soul, not just in this area of computers and devices and technology, but there are real problems in this world. But when it comes to sexual temptation, you could talk to him about King David, a man by, by all accounts who, who loved God with his whole heart. You could share a few passages about sin and temptation, like 2 Timothy 2.2, where Paul was telling the young Timothy to flee fornication. No one is above the schemes of the devil, even the great David. Your son minimally is naive, though he may be more than immature working here. He could be hiding something. He doesn't understand the enemy of his soul or the precipice where he is standing. Another passage of Scripture would be good, again, depending on where he is and his maturation with the Lord, is Ephesians 6, verses 10, 11, and 12, where it talks about the whole armor of God. You want him to know that temptations are real, and he needs to fortify. Any person who responds to potential temptation the way your son does is in the wrong place. Of course, you will have to discern, again, if he's a believer, because you may be talking to a natural person who honestly does not understand the big deal, and I put that in quotation marks. At this juncture, where he's at, at this moment, there is spiritual death in his future. It's already activated in his soul. And so as you begin to explore this idea of sexual temptation, it would be wise for your husband to work through some of the places in the book of Proverbs that talk about sexual sin. This is another reason that I started with the first point that I made is what is the condition of your marriage and the relationship of your son, uh, uh, of your husband with your son? Because now as you're getting deeper into this conversation, well, it would be more appropriate for your husband to lead at this point. 
he does need to understand, your son does need to understand the seriousness of a sinful lifestyle and its devastating effects. You could start with Proverbs 5.3 and read about the forbidden woman. You could read Proverbs 6.23 about the adulteress. This section of the Proverbs is for the more mature person to teach young people wisdom. And again, if your husband is not leading well or his maturity level is not that much higher than, than your son, if he's awkward about doing this, if he feels awkward about having this conversation with your son, well, you may have to get some external help. The nature of the relationship that your husband has with your son will determine the depth of insight that he can share with him. Again, I don't recommend that you have this conversation. If he thinks accountability software is a weird idea, mom, he'll probably freak out if you talk to him about sexual sin. The point of the conversation is the need to, what you're trying to do is you're trying to keep the opportunity to sin and the temptation to sin apart, to keep them separated. It is one thing to have temptation. We can be tempted at any point during our day, but we have no opportunity. But it is another thing to have the opportunity. I have the opportunity in front of me, and so is the temptation that is in me. It is when temptation and opportunity kiss that your son, and any of us for that matter, are dead ducks which was the problem with David when he stepped out on that rooftop late that night. He had temptation and he had opportunity and they met and he was a dead dog. Now there are a couple of ways you can go from here. For me personally to answer the question directly, I would put the software on the son's computer whether he likes it or not. I am assuming that you bought the computer. I'm assuming that he's living in your house. It's your home, and you have a responsibility before God for how you steward what the Lord has given has given you all. If you have carefully walked through what, what I've already said, and you're seeking to live out the truths that I've communicated, especially by your example— then you and your husband should implement how you want things to be regardless of what he thinks. You are responsible to God for how you parent and how you both run the home. While you want to consider your son's request, you always want to be considerate. It's on you. It's on your husband to make the decision, which is an obedience issue between you and God. Like parental discipline, when when he was young, things are no different now. You remember when he was a little toddler? I mean, you made the decisions and you did what was right because it's on you. You have a responsibility before God. Well, I'm assuming it's, it's your computer, it's your house. Things are no different now. You must be obedient to God and not under the control of your son there could be a chance that your corrective action keeps a foolish and naive boy from the addictive nature of sin. Sexual immorality is as, addi is as addictive as, as some drugs, and if it gets its claws in a person's heart, he, he may never recover. I deal with sexual addiction regularly, and I'm not using scare tactics here. It's not odd for a person to have a 30-year habituated pattern into sexual addiction. 
which began when, when that individual was a teenager. Porn is usually the entry drug that leads to deep, long-standing, habituated patterns of immorality and immoral thinking. The cultural word for caught in Galatians 6.1 is addiction. You can't let this happen if you can stop it. But, you, but do not be naive. Accountability will not stop your son if he wants to do it. You can do your best, but this is between him and God. If you're doing what I have suggested, or you're going to implement these things, and you're actively implementing them, then your soul can be at rest. I want to finish this podcast by by sharing two parent traps that can be part of this problem. Again, the podcast is titled, How Do I Help My Teen When He Does Not Want My Help? There are two things that I, I do want you to consider. Trap number one, guard your heart to make sure your goal for him is not short-sighted in the sense you're trying to keep him from looking at sin. Now, granted, you want to keep him from looking at sin, but your goal has to be deeper and broader and more comprehensive than that. You see, some parents can be more concerned about their embarrassment of what their son is doing, and so they're just trying to cut it off because how it looks, and they're less worried about the sanctification, the deeper comprehensive issues going on inside of the child. Your goals must be higher than this myopic approach of embarrassment. Cravings for image, your image, and reputation could blindside you. I'm not saying it's true of you, but it has been true of many. Trap number two, are you a smother mother? Some mothers over-worry about their children. Perhaps you can ask your husband. Perhaps you can ask a friend. Do you overcare, overworry, overstress, overfear regarding your child? Are you resting in God about this problem? You'll know if you have God's peace by the degree in which you worry or get angry when your son does not comply with your wishes. I have some call to action questions at the end of this. There's about 10 things for you to consider. You're welcome to look at that. The title of the article again, How Do I Help My Teen Son When He Does Not Want My Help? If you want to talk to us, jump on our free forums and let's talk. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net. RickThomas.net.